0: Amen. Well, thank you guys for that ministry. And uh, kind of fitting because today we launch a series called House Rules. And uh, it's talking about uh, the family. And uh, that drama depicted uh, the very first family. And the very first family in Scripture uh, had some dysfunction in it. And uh, so did pretty much every family following that. And we talk about family quite a bit. Uh, but it's because we all kind of have one in some form or fashion. And so, um, so we're gonna launch this series. If you have a copy of God's Word, go to Luke chapter two. Also, we're in this series because of our parenting seminar, which is uh, September 6th. Me and my house, parenting seminar, Friday night, September 6th. Uh, I encourage you, uh, good, bad, indifferent, major problems, little problems, uh, I encourage you to check out that parenting, conf- parenting seminar on September 6th. Uh, Luke chapter two, speaking of important days, uh, September 6th is the parenting conference, uh, But two days ago, this last Friday was also a very, very important day. Um, I was somewhat discouraged by my boss from mentioning this, but I'm going to uh, just try to get forgiveness afterwards. But this last Friday was our lead pastor, Pastor Carl Stevens. It was his birthday, and I think we should celebrate that, show him how much he means to us and and all of our campuses. Amen. Amen. i tell you, Pastor is uh, one of the most important people in my life. And uh, it really, a lot of us could say that, couldn't we? And he is uh, a gift to this congregation. He's a gift to this city. He's a gift to our nation. His leadership actually extends pretty much worldwide. And so uh, we're, we're uh, uh, so blessed to have him a part of our life. So we wanted to just say uh, happy birthday and uh, celebrate with you. Uh, Luke chapter 2. Are you there? Somebody say Amen. <clears throat> Luke chapter two, verse 41. This is what the word of God says. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. 12-year-old Jesus stays behind. And And they were unaware of it, thinking that he was... In their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, Uh, They were astonished, and his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Other translations say I had to be about my father's business. But they did not understand what he was telling them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. <clears throat> Let's pray as we look into this this first uh, message in this. Collection called uh, House Rules. Pray with me that that our hearts would be open, that God would speak to us. Father, we do come to you and we pray today, God, that your word, that the truth of your word, God, would take root in every single life that would be under the sound of my voice, God. Every single uh, family that would be represented across our campuses and across anyone watching this message. I pray, God, that. We would allow your word to change us. We would allow your word to encourage us. We would allow your word to fill us with hope and faith for our families in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, speaking of uh, family and uh, all of those things, uh, about just a little over a week ago, me and my wife, we celebrated uh, our wedding anniversary and we got away for a couple of days um someone helped us actually go to this really nice place. and so we went and stayed a couple days. and so we checked into this. A hotel resort type of thing, and went up and dropped our bags off, and it was kind of late. In, it was about nine or nine thirty that evening, and when we got our stuff and set it in the room, and then um, we kind of decided, hey, let's walk around. We hadn't really been to that place before. We walk around the resort, so we went back down the stairs and we went walking around just to kind of see uh, the sights. And as we we're walking around, I we come across uh, upon this uh, bike rack with all these matching bikes. That the resort kind of owned or whatever, right? So we come up on it, and uh, there was a, a chain kind of going through several of the bikes that would appear to be locked up, and then a couple of them weren't locked up. And so we kind of looked at each other and we we're like, Do you wanna do this? And she was like, Yeah. So then we were like, all right, the night is young and we used to be, so let's do it. So we get on the bikes and we take off riding through the night on the bicycles, and I mean, it was awesome, and the wind's blowing in her hair, and she looked beautiful, and there we just go, and we're driving all around the resort and just seeing the sights on our cruisers, on our bicycles, and so we're just having so much fun, and we go all the way around the whole resort, and we're kind of coming back the other direction, almost to the place kind of where we started from, and about that time, out of the darkness, comes running after us, chasing us in the night, is the hotel security guard, and there for a moment I'm like oh I can see the headlines now local pastor arrested for grand theft bicycle that was that's gonna be my I was gonna write a book and there's gonna be a whole like documentary it was gonna be awesome he chases us down and he says, oh hey, you can't do this, can't do this. And so then I was like, oh man, I'm sorry. He goes, yeah, this is only during the day. It's a safety thing. And so I said, I'm sorry. And then I said, I, we didn't know. That was, my big, that was my big answer, we didn't know. There may have been a hint of me that thought maybe this might not be right when we were first doing it, but I was like, hey, we didn't know, I'm sorry. So we put the bikes away. And to my defense, when I put the bikes away, I feel better getting this off my chest, amen. To my defense, when I was putting the bikes away, I didn't notice, because I looked around, and there was no signage, there was no printed rules, there was no, uh, you know, hey, this is the expectation, this is what happens from when dusk, when the sun goes down, the bikes, nothing like that is listed anywhere, so I kind of had a bit of an excuse, which is maybe why he didn't press any charges and why I'm able to be here today uh, and not in lockup. But when it comes to what a Christian family looks like, We cannot use that excuse that, hey, I didn't know. Hey, there's no rules anywhere. You know what? The Bible actually talks a lot about the Christian family. There's really no excuse for us. And so when we, as we grow in our families, you know what our bar needs to be set at? Our bar needs to be set at the Word of God. And the Word of God is very clear on what the house rules should be for a Christian family. The Bible talks about it a lot. That's why we talk about it a lot. And so um, we're gonna see some of those uh, same principles come to light, come alive here in this story. In Luke chapter 2, this story about Jesus' family, his, his parents, and as he's growing up, and he's 12 years old in this story. And before we get too far, and we'll, we'll hit this, Pastor, we'll be also continuing uh, this uh, series next week. Um, but before we get into even more of the rules of, of, uh, of our houses and our Christian families. I wanna start today with just two premise. I just wanna start with, the first premise would be this, and this, this is important for all of us in this room. The first premise would be this, and we see this in this story in Luke chapter two. First premise is this, there are no perfect parents, and all the parents gladly said amen. amen. Yeah, there are no perfect parents. And we see that as an example here. Look at this, uh, Jesus's parents, Joseph and Mary, Now, can you imagine the screening process that went around, uh, that that God went through to pick who was going to be uh, the parents of his one and only son? Can you imagine that screening process? Can you imagine that the number of boxes that Joseph and Mary had to check in their personality traits and the way they dealt and their patience level and their devoutness to God? I mean, they were probably really, really good parents, but even Even in really, really good parents, we see that they were not perfect. In verse 43, the festival's over and the parents were returning home, but the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. This is the very first home alone right here. (laughs) Jesus gets left at church home alone while his parents go back uh, to Jerusalem. And uh, the parents, it says Joseph and Mary, they were unaware of it. Verse 44, they were thinking that Jesus was in their company. They traveled for a whole day. And then they started looking for Jesus among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Now, I can give Joseph and Mary a little bit of grace. I can identify with them a little bit because I'll just be honest. When it comes to maybe leaving, they left church without their son. All right, I can I can kind of... I can feel their pain because especially when our kids were younger, we, we had five kids and we had four, four and under at one point And all of that was a bit of a blur. And me and my wife, we'd come to church usually in two different cars. And so we would leave in two different cars. And when they were little, you know, she'd have some kids in her car and I'd have some kids in my car and we'd get home. And most of the time we'd have them all there, but there was once or twice <laughs> when we would get home and I would have two and she would have two and we'd be like, okay, apparently one of them still at church uh, with the religious leaders. You know, like, uh, and one time I got a phone call from one of our our leaders in the youth ministry and he said, hey, do you want me to bring him home? with you want me to run him home? I was like, that'd be great. Yeah, thank you, why don't you go ahead and do that? So I can identify with Mary and Joseph Heading home from church without their son. However, I cannot identify because I did it, I left the son here at church before, but I never left God at church. I can't identify with that. Can you imagine that level of panic when Mary and Joseph look at each other and they're like, Where, Where's God at? <laughs> and Mary looks at Joseph and says, You had him. No, 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 you had him. I didn't, you had him. And they're like, God's gonna be so mad at us because we've lost God. Like, that's how this is going down. Can you imagine that level of panic when they lose? God, and so uh, we see that there is obviously here. If any parent was going to be more on the perfect side, it would probably be Joseph and Mary, and they weren't perfect either. And I would say this to all the parents in the house, every parent at any of our campuses listening. I'd say this: you know what? Sometimes we as parents we have to forgive ourselves. Maybe it's a little, maybe it's a little comforting to hear that none of us are perfect. And you need to forgive yourself as a parent because if you cannot forgive yourself, what you'll be doomed to do is just stay in that same loop of failure, and that same loop of mistake after mistake. But if you can find a way to forgive yourself, allow God to forgive you, and maybe ask forgiveness of the people in your family, what that will do then is set you on a, a, and some traction to actually become a new set some new habits and become even a better parent. So even though Mary and Joseph were not perfect, we do see them doing some things right. And one of the things that jumps out to me, it seems like Mary and Joseph had priorities. Seems like they had their priorities in order because we read in verse 41 that every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. Joseph and Mary were devout Jews. They actually went to uh, festivals multiple times a year. But the Passover festival was the biggest one, and that would be the one that if if the whole family's going to go, the whole family's going to go. And this was probably not Jesus' first time there, but it's his first time as a 12-year-old. And in the Hebrew culture, that would be the beginning of adulthood, especially to spiritual things. And so uh, we hear about this story, but it it would show that in Joseph and Mary's life, there was an emphasis on the spiritual life. There is an emphasis on, on their relationship with God, on their faithfulness to the house of God. And we as parents, we need to take that in and know that there needs to be priorities in our life. Proverbs two six. it's a verse that a lot of us have heard before, but it says that we're called to train up a child in the way that he should go, not in the way that he could go, not in the way he would go or would want to go, but we were here to train up our children in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now that word train, when it says train up a child, it's really the same word, the same concept when you hear the train of a dress, maybe a wedding dress, right, that has a train. And what that means is everywhere that that bride goes, that train follows on the dress. Well, that's what Proverbs 22 is talking about, that for us to train up our child, you know what that means? It means that we go there first and we blaze the trail for our kids to come behind us. It it makes no room for us as parents to do the whole do as I say but not as I do. In other words, if I want my kid to emphasize the spiritual, his spiritual life, I have to emphasize my spiritual life. If I want the house of God to be a priority in my kid's life, then the house of God has to be a priority in my life. If I want my kids to be worshipers, then I better learn how to be a worshiper. If I want my kids to know how to pray, then I better get on my knees and pray for my family and pray with my family. Amen. That's what that's saying. And we see that in Joseph's and Mary's life. And though they weren't perfect, there seemed to be a a priority of, of the spiritual things in their life. There also seemed to be a unity. I want you to notice how many times the word they shows up in these next couple of verses in verse 44 through 46. Look, watch for the word they as we read through this. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him. It's obvious here that they parented together, that they shared uh, the, the vision, that they shared the responsibilities, and that's, that's good for us to, to know that there needs to be a unity uh, as, as parents, and I, I would speak to all the married people in the room with kids, and I'll say this, you are husband and wife first, and then you are mom and dad second. And I know that may sound counterintuitive to somebody and say, well no, I wanna be, parenting's number one, I want that to be an important part of, and it is an important part of life, but here's the thing, you'll be more effective as parents if you'll be husband and wife first. If you can be together and, and be unified, I'm telling you, that just makes so many less room for any kind of confusion or any kind of uh, misunderstandings to happen, and so I, I think we see that as an, an example here. We see that there is unity. How does that kind of unity happen in a a married couple's life? Well, scripturally, it happens with two things. It happens with submission and with love. Submission and love. Colossians chapter three, Paul talks about it. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And all the wives said. I'm sorry, someone thought I said three of the wives said. I think it, I'm sure at Michigan Street and at Redbug Lake Campus, I'm sure it was overwhelming volume of wives saying amen, shouting, but here at the Crayford Campus, just pray for us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's fitting in the Lord. And then verse 19 of Colossians 3, Paul says, husbands, love your wives. And all the husbands said. That's how it's done, ladies. All right. (laughs) They also had the advantage of hearing you guys go first. And they're competitive, amen. (laughs) Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Well, here's the key to submission and love is if husbands love their wives the way they're supposed to, wives will have no problem submitting to their husbands the way they're supposed to. And when that happens, amen. When that happens, it puts us on such a great uh, ground to parent and to make decisions and submit to one another uh, within our families and so and, and to single parents I, I would I would say this to you um, there's also should be a unity in your life as well. You should be unified with God and you should lean on God to be, uh, lean on your Heavenly Father to be a support and to be the guidance in your family and be consistent with yourself too. Like be be the same parent. Don't let the ups and downs of life make you one parent one day and a different parent the next day. One day this is allowed, but tomorrow this isn't allowed because I'm in a bad mood tomorrow. You know, like whatever it is, we want to be as consistent and as unified and uh, in our, in our uh, priorities and, and what, what we encourage and what we want to see happen uh, in, our, in our family and what we don't want to see happen in our family. That needs to stay pretty consistent. We see that happening here. Also in Joseph and Mary, there seemed to be composure in, in their life as parents because there was a moment here of correction. There was a moment here where uh, there was a a disappointment and a fear as they were dealing with Jesus. But look how they handled it. They didn't handle it with screaming and with fighting and with blowing up. But they handled it, let's see, in verse 48, it says, When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I want to point out that, she, uh, that they, they parented with questions Sometimes a question to your, to your son or daughter will get you more uh, than, than your best lectures and so she asks a question, why have you done this? And then Jesus asks him, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's house and my father's business? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Look at verse 51, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Even in this moment of, of correction, uh, they were careful in their communication she was care- it would it would imply that they didn't roll into the scene and start yelling at Jesus in front of everybody because they got there and they watched some of this go down and when that time of question and answer when that time of public forum was over then they went to Jesus and they had a discussion i see some students right now poking their mouths saying can you listen to this part really good amen Now, they seem to be careful with their communication. That's so important for us as parents. Charles Cooley was a sociologist. He was known uh, as the dean of sociology. And he had a concept called the looking glass self. And that concept uh, means this. He said that your self-perception and your self-esteem are largely determined by what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you or how he or she actively expresses his or her opinion of you. And all of us, maybe, maybe, maybe some of us that are, that are parents, we can remember back to when our parents were that person. They were the person that meant the most to us. And maybe what we thought they thought of us or what they said about us, it really formed kind of who we are and how we felt about ourselves. And now maybe you serve in that role in someone else's life. That's why it's so important to keep your composure. Harsh Uh, words can do so much damage. And so many times it would take so many positive words to undo what just one or two negative words will do. So as parents, we would wanna strive to keep our composure, to be clear with our communication, be clear with our expectations with our kids, and be clear about the consequences when those expectations are not met. And so that premise is there that there are no perfect parents. And the second premise that I would f- bring out of this passage of scripture is, is, is this, that there was only one perfect child. And no, I'm not talking about your child. Amen, all right? There, I'm sure there's some you know, new parent that's thinking, I don't know, he's pretty perfect. Uh, but give it a few days, okay. Uh, there was only one perfect child. And we read about him here in verse 46. They find Jesus. God, 100% man, they find him in the temple court sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. You've heard people talk about teens, and they say, oh, my teen thinks they know it all. Joseph and Mary's teen, he didn't think he knew it all. He knew he knew it all, like he was God. Can you imagine that? Jesus grew up in a larger family. He had uh, uh, four brothers and at least two sisters. Can you imagine if Jesus was your sibling? That kind of pressure? Oh, they just, my parents think he can do no wrong. He could not do any wrong. He was God. And even in the midst of that perfection, there were still moments of communication challenges. There were still moments of unmet expectation, and there was also uh, seasons and time allotted for growth. And we need to understand that when we're dealing with with with, with our uh, with our kids. And in verse 52, it said, "In Jesus, he grows in wisdom." and stature, and in favor with God and man. He, he's not growing anymore uh, into any more of God. He was, he was already God. Matter of fact, I walked into my house on thir- last Thursday, and or a week ago Thursday, my, uh, my uh, son was hosting a high school young men's Bible study, and right when I walked in the door, they were kinda finishing up, but they said, Pastor, we have a question, because they'd been in this discussion. I said, yeah, and they said, uh, they said, when Jesus was a baby, did he know he was God? And I was like, well, he was God. He was 100% God when he was a baby. I said, there was some, uh, there was some submitting of some of that. Uh, and, and that's what the Word of God talking about. As, as Jesus grows in uh, favor to God, as he's growing in wisdom and stature, it's really talking about that he's growing in his human nature, but there was no room for him to grow in his divine nature, because he's, he's always 100% God. But he's growing in his human nature, Nature—he's growing in his understanding of, of that divine nature within him, and as that as that adolescence fades away, and as that infancy fades away, fades away, it allows more of that deity to shine forth, and that's what's going on there. And even in the midst of that, Jesus is growing. Jesus uh, is oh, Jesus is obedient to his parents. Look at it in verse fifty-one. This is God. He's one hundred percent God. man, but look, in verse 51 it says that Jesus went down to Nazareth with his parents, with them, and he was obedient to them. Jesus submitting himself under the authority of his parents, even though he's God. It's a great example for us. Paul talks about uh, that in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, children, obey your parents. And that word obey is stronger than, than honor. It's, it's a strong, it's a word of decision. It's a word of intent that daily I make a decision to come under the authority of my parents. That's what Paul's saying there. Children, obey your parents. And he says, in the Lord. He gives reasons why we should do this. First reason, because we're Christians. He says, obey them in the Lord. He says, for this is right. That's a second reason because it's the right thing to do. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment. Another reason why we should do this, because it's a commandment. And he says, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. It brings blessing. Paul is going through giving these reasons why obedience to parents is so important. And I wanna speak to every young person, every son and daughter that would be under the sound of my voice at all of our campuses watching anywhere. I want to say this because sometimes we get confused about this. As a son or a daughter, you can be obedient to your parents without being obedient to God. But you cannot be obedient to God without being obedient to your parents. And all through a couple of decades of youth ministry, I've seen a lot of students who are very passionate about God and very much trying to submit themselves to God while they're not in right relationship with their parents or not in obedience to their parents. And Anytime I would see that, it's, of course, something that we would address periodically. But listen, as part of our relationship with God, there must be obedience uh, to our parents. And all the parents said amen. amen. Yeah. We see that in Jesus' life, that there was obedience, but there was also Growth. There was a, a time for him to develop. We as parents, we have to understand that, that there's going to be, uh, uh, it's okay. We're, our, our kids aren't gonna know it all right off the bat. They're not gonna make perfect decisions and say all the perfect things right from, from the very beginning, but there's a, there's a growth. There's a, there was a balanced growth in Jesus's life. He was growing in a lot of different areas. Growing intellectually, physically, spiritually, socially, and all of these are important. So we need to strive that our homes would be places that our kids are growing in all areas of their life. Some of our kids might be great in one area. But boy, they're really good at this uh, sport, but they, they, don't, they don't like church so much, and so they're not growing in their spiritual life, But they may be, or they're great students, but they're not so great at this. Now we, we would wanna have homes where uh, our kids are growing in all aspects of their life. We see that going on here with Jesus. But we also need to understand that there is a call for all of us to grow. There's a call for all of us to grow grow in the role that we serve in whatever family unit we would be talking about. So sons and daughters, I say grow. Grow as a son or a daughter. Grow and learn how to honor and obey your parents more and be growing in God and grow in favor with people in your relationships. But as parents, we need to also still have a commitment to grow in our parenting and grandparents that we would grow. Think about it. Grandparents, if we decide, you know what, how can I be a better grandfather tomorrow than I was today? Think about if we all make that decision that we're just gonna continue to grow in our role, in our families. What a, what a change that, that would show. What a change that would make in so many people's lives. That should be our rule, to be people who grow. I um, remember back, I had mentioned this in the other service. I remember back, it was the first time our family had ever been, we got to go on a, on a cruise, and our kids were smaller then. Our youngest, Ashton, he was just up here a second ago, but he was probably about three or maybe maybe almost four at the time, and we got on the boat, and the boat was just t- t- sailing away, and the kids wanted to go look around and see all the different things and play on different areas, and so the four, five of my kids all take off together. We said, hey, watch, everybody okay? And, me and my wife, we were walking around a little bit. We had a time we were gonna meet, so we get the time that we're gonna meet. Two of my kids walk up, and uh, I said, okay, where's everybody else? So they're over somewhere else. Okay, they're coming, okay. And then two more of my kids walk up. So my four oldest are here, but no one has our youngest, Ashton, who's three or four at the time. So I said, where's, where's Ashton? Oh, he's with them. I said, no, he's not with them, because they're right there. Look, he said that he was with you. And uh, so then all of us, six of us, we were in absolute frantic panic, because it's not just leaving the church. This is now on a boat in the high seas, all right? This is not good. And uh, I see the looks that some of you are giving me. Please, give me grace. <laughs> the statute of limitations has already passed on this, so don't get any ideas. Now we went frantically. I know what Joseph and Mary's talking about. We were anxiously searching for him. As, as hard as I've ever searched for anything or anyone. And it was only a couple of minutes and he was with some crew members. He never even knew, he was lost. He was just having a party, just meeting people and doing his thing. But man, I know what that was like to be frantically searching. It makes me think about verse 48. When, when Joseph and, and Mary and Mary says, Jesus, we've been, We've been anxiously searching for you. And it it makes me wanna ask you this question. How anxiously have you been seeking after Christ to be a part of your family? How anxiously, how compelled have you been to make sure that Christ is included in your family, in your life? because it can happen to all of us, right? We can get so busy going here, going there, all of a sudden we turn around and it's been quite some time since we've seen the presence of Christ in our situation, in our life. A lot of times it'll be some big catastrophe that makes us realize it. Don't don't, don't, don't wait for some big moment, some big moment of loss or some big catastrophe be the thing that makes you realize that you've been going for quite some time without Christ. I know for sure that here at at one of our campuses, I know for sure that there are a lot of situations, there are a lot of circumstances, and you need the presence of Christ to be real again in your family. There's probably some hurt, some unforgiveness, some disappointment, some unmet expectations, and maybe today is your day to search for Jesus again, to find Jesus for your family, or to find Jesus for you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all over this room? with nobody looking around here at the Curry Ford campus at one of our other campuses, if you're here today, and before we even talk about your family, if you're here today and you just be honest, say, so you know what? Life caught up on me. I, I started kind of going here and there and, and I, I walked away and I left Jesus behind and I realized that I need Jesus in my life. Maybe you've never served God. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to God. Today is the day of salvation. Today's the day that you seek him. And when you seek for him with all of your heart, the word of God says, you will find him. He'll be found to you. He'll be a rewarder to those who earnestly seek him. So if you're here today and you've made decisions in your life that have separated you from God, that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. And you would just say for you individually, you need Jesus. You need to find him for your own life, for your own soul to be right with God. You're not right with God now, but you wanna be. I wanna pray for you as we conclude this service. So if that's you, with nobody looking around, all of our campuses, I need to get right with God today. If that's you, I want you right now. Would you slip up your hand, I'm gonna pray for you. I need to get right with God, yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Yes, in the risers, thank you. I need to get right with God. I I need to go after him, yes, yes, yes. At our campuses, if that's you, come on, lift up your hand. I need to get right with God. Here, thank you, thank you. Hands up all over today's your day. I'm excited for you. How many would say this? How many would just be honest and realize that there's no perfect family? There's no perfect parents. There was only one perfect kid. How many of us would say this? I need, I need to find Jesus for my family right now because we're just walking through a tough season. We're walking through something that's, uh, you know, I, I don't have to, we don't know the details and we don't have to, but how many would say this? I today feel like I need to find Jesus for my family. If that's you, come on, hold up your hand high. Married couples, come on, if that's you, hold up your hand high. If something going through with disobedience, something with family or broken relationship, come on, I need to find Jesus for my family here at our other campuses. We're gonna pray with you, pray for you today. God bless you. Let's do this. Everyone standing to their feet. Here at Curry Ford. we just stand at all of our campuses in the atrium, we just stand with us. <clears throat> God bless you. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? Aren't you thankful that the Word of God would meet whatever's going on in our life? And I'm going to tell you, it's not, we don't just have the Word of God, but we also have the Spirit of God to come alongside and give us power and give us direction and to guide our our steps. And that's what we're going to pray for in a moment. In a mo- moment ago, I asked you to lift your hand if you need to get right with God. I asked you to lift your hand if you need to find Jesus for your family. Hands went up all over this building. You're not alone today, but I don't want you to walk out carrying the weight of, of a, a broken life or a, of a broken family, Let's allow God's spirit to come in and do miracles in our life. So you, if you lifted your hand as we begin to sing, I invite you, step out from where you are, come to this altar area. And we're just going to pray with you, pray for you. Come on, step out as we sing. The love and the presence of God is here. The mercy of God is here. You lifted your hand said, I need to find Jesus for my situation. Come on, search for him. Let's go after him. Step out from where you are. We'll wait for you. Come on, as we sing, you need to find Jesus for your situation. We want to pray with you. We're going to sing it one more time. You need to get right with God. Step out and come. You want prayer for something going on in your house. Come on, we're going to pray with you, believe with you, pray for you. Thank you, God. I
1: I don't deserve it.
0: Give yourself away. Oh, the Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God. These altars are still going to be open as we dismiss. I speak a blessing over you, blessing over your families. Hey, Jesus is, is in the center of your family, right where he belongs. Reach out to him, he's there. Pastor John's going to close in prayer. God bless you.
1: Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for your presence in this place. Thank you for speaking your word through pastor over our lives today, Lord. And we know, God, that you've drawn these to these altars, Lord through that word and by your Holy Spirit, Father, and I pray in the name of Jesus that by your love you would surround each and every person at these altars, those that are even reaching out to you over a screen somewhere that's watching this service, God, we pray that you would surround them with your love, that God, you would save where salvation is needed, deliver where deliverance is needed, God, that you would give answers where answers are needed, God, that you would bring joy and peace to situations, turn things around that need to be turned around, Father, by your love and your power, and I pray in Jesus' name that when they leave, this place, God, that they will leave full of your joy and strength, Lord, to continue to walk in the victory that you've given them here. And God, I pray that that would happen all over this sanctuary, that as we face this week, we would face it with you as our guide, as our helper, as our strengthener, Lord God, and that we would walk in the victory that you've given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for blessing each and every person in the sound of my voice. And we thank you for joy unspeakable and full of glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Love you so much. We look forward to seeing you again very soon. God bless.